Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad to be on the show today. I so enjoy doing these shows. It's going to be a lot of fun. And today we got a special guest, and I've had him on the show before. And he's just a great guy. He lives in Springfield, Illinois. And he's been a student, a client, a friend. And I, I just love talking about real estate with this guy, Phil. He, he sent me one time some funny pictures, a picture of a house before and after. And he didn't do anything to it. So there's nothing different with the pictures. And he made a $20,000 profit on that deal by flipping it. His name is Phil Marsh. And we're going to have him on the show here. I'm going to ask him some questions about land because he's been flipping vacant land, which I'm super excited about. Something that I'm going to be focusing more on in 2022. That sounded weird. I'm going to be focusing more on. But I'm going to be doing more of that in 2022. And and I'm going to be taking you guys along on the journey as well as I do that. So I'm doing this right now live in YouTube and Facebook. So if you're watching this in YouTube and Facebook, say hi. Comment down below. Tell us where you are from. Even if you're watching this later, comment down below and just say hi. Let us know if you have any questions. I'd love to say, like Ralph right here. What's up, Ralph? Good to see you. So um, this podcast is brought to you by my book. You've heard me talk about it before. It's one of my favorite books that I've ever done. I've done three or four of them, and it's called REI Secrets. And I do a lot of podcasts in the car. You might have heard of them if you've been listening to my show, where I'm driving in my car and I'll just for 10, 15 minutes talk about something that is going on, whether it's uh, something going on in some of our own deals that we're doing or in a, in a consulting call or something inspirational, whatever's coming to my mind. And I'll share these things and I'll teach just for 10, 15 minutes while I'm driving in the car. And I've called them REI in your car podcast. Well, we've taken some of the best of those, transcribed them, edited them, make them readable and turned them into this book, REI Secrets. And so each chapter is just a couple pages, but it's, uh, I call it here, Daily Nuggets of Real Estate Investing Wisdom to help you get more leads and close more deals. You can get this book for free, just pay seven bucks or something, shipping and handling, and I'll send it out to you. It's a legit book. Go to reisecrets.com, reisecrets.com, if you haven't already, and check it out. It's completely free. All right, so let's bring Phil. Phil Marsh, how are you, sir? Hey, doing good. Awesome. You're in Springfield, Illinois still, right? Yes, sir. Love Springfield. It's a cool little small, big small town. Yeah, we have one of everything. One of everything. <laughs> At least one. You have a stoplight, right? Yeah, yeah. A couple of them, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's the capital of Illinois. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how long have you been in Springfield? Uh, I moved here, oh my, oh, that's a great question. Maybe 10 years. 10 years. I started okay. in a little town south here, Gerard. I had to work my way up to the big city. But it's probably been about 10 years. And how big is Springfield, Illinois, would you guess? I believe it's 117,000 people. All right, cool. The county has 200,000. And what were you doing before real estate? Before real estate? Well, that's a great question. I was working for my dad. That's all I've ever known. Okay. Uh, That was ever since uh, 2000. Well, when I was 15 years old, I started working for my dad. He had a construction company, and that's all I've ever known. And I worked for him, moved up in management sales, got commission, you know, was doing a good, it was a good job. I had a great job. Then I found real estate and quit that job in 2017. February 3rd, 2017, I quit my job. 2017. When did we start working together? Do you remember? 2016. All right. 
Nice. So I worked for my dad for my goodness. It had to have been 15 plus years. Okay. It's all I ever knew. And what got you interested in real estate? Specifically at the time you're doing houses, right? Yeah. My dad's the one that kind of got me into real estate. He always said, you know, you'll never make, you'll never get rich working for somebody else. So the whole time I'm working for him, I'm thinking like, well, man, I'm working for my dad, you know? So I, he, he encouraged me to buy a house. He said, you need to buy a fixer upper. You need to go buy some foreclosure, just some junker, fix it up while you live in it, flip it a couple of years later and just keep rolling that into the next one. So when I was 23 years old, bought my first little house for 25 grand, put about 20,000 into it, did all the work myself, took me nine months to fix this thing up. I mean, it took forever. Wow. But I sold it two years later for 80,000. Okay. So that opened my eyes, you know. I made a year's wages at that time on one house. And uh, so I just ro- kept rolling it into the next one. That's how I got to the big city. I've always lived in the Springfield area, about yeah. 30 minutes south of here is Girard, but I wanted to get to the city. And because uh, that's so it, funny you call it the big city. Well, it, it was the big city <laughs> compared to Girard. Girard was 2,000 people. Yeah, I know. So I bought a cheap little junk house in one of those little country towns, fixed it up. You know, I just kept rolling it into the next house. Yeah. And uh, ended up here I am in Springfield. And so that's a good strategy because it's tax-free. You know, if you yeah. live in it for two years, and it's your primary residence, there's no capital gains. Now, was you, were you married at the time? Uh, that first house, I met my wife while I lived there. All right. So I'm so sure I, she enjoyed always living in a house that you're rehabbing, though, right? Well, she's a hard worker. I have a really okay. good wife. She is a hard worker. She's a harder worker than I am. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Nice. She loved it. She just was always pushing me. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Wow. Good for you. So I was working my day job and then, you know, trying to flip these houses every two years was the plan. Every two years. I mean, we had the date set. As soon as we had that two year mark, the calendar went off. I mean, we're wanting to sell it that day. Okay. We want to buy the next one because I just know that's the way to build wealth was to flip those houses. So then in about, I don't know what year it was. I don't remember the year, but she goes, why don't we just do one on the side? Why do we have to wait two years? Let's try to find one. And I'm like, well, I don't want to pay the taxes. You had all these weird fears, you know, I don't want to pay taxes. Well, if you're paying taxes, it means you're making money. So that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. We found this little house in a neighboring town and it was full of mold. And we went in there and did the same thing we'd always done. Made like 30,000 on that one. Okay. A little tax, but hey, we still walked away with a big chunk. Yeah, yeah. So then we were able to pay off our car with that money. So anyway, we just learned, you know, there was a lot of money to be made in real estate. And I had a skill. I knew how to work on houses. Yeah. So I could pay a little more for a house because all the labor was free. Mm -hmm. Most part. So that was my introduction to real estate. And then in 2016, I started hearing about, you know, all these guys flipping 100 houses a year and you know, Tom Kroll's and Joe McCall's and all these house flippers out there. I'm hearing about all these people. And next thing I know, I'm buying your coaching program. And I did 20 deals that year in 2016. (laughs) And that was just straight up wholesaling, right? Well, it started out, we were trying to focus on fix and flips because that's what I knew. Yeah. And uh, we did two initially that year. But then I was like, why am I doing all this work? Why don't I just flip the paper? Mm. It seemed like it was easier. So that's well, what just transition to. Which is a great perspective, isn't it? Because you can flip, a, you can fix and flip a house, make 30, 40 grand on it, but that's going to take three to six months, three to four months. Yeah, yeah. And so people forget like during that time, you could have wholesaled five, six, seven houses, right? And make oh, yeah, just exactly. as much money, if not more. And I remember you teaching me that. 
It's yeah. just like the light bulbs went off, you know. Well, it, it, when a house is stressful, I knew the bit. I know houses, so I just I just know what can go wrong. Yeah. Now, if you buy it right, the chances are slim. You know, worst case, you might break even. But yeah. that's a lot of work to break even. A lot of risk. Yeah, a lot of liability. A lot of people you have to you're dependent on. I get there's the the, the shows make it look easy, and you can yeah, make yeah. more money. Maybe you cherry pick the best properties keep them for yourself to fix and flip and make 60, 70 grand. But it, wholesaling is so much easier, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, there's really no risk. Yeah. You know, you're just, well, back at that time I was flipping the paper, you know? Yeah. So okay. It, so you started wholesaling houses and then you got to a point where you're, you're doing well, you quit your job, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was about 2017. Yeah, well, 2016, I mean, that first year, I mean, after six months, I already had more money in the bank than I made the previous year at my job. Nice. So I'm kind of like, this job's in my way. I just started realizing, like, I don't need this job. It's stop. It's slowing me down, you know? Yeah. So then I was able to, I thought, you know, I'm going to quit. And that was the scariest time of my life. I, I, those golden handcuffs were legit. I mean, it was terrifying. Once I remember I, talking to you about that. Oh, we're stressed yeah, out. You, yeah, you actually helped me through a lot of that. I was terrified. Panic set in because all yeah. of a sudden I'm on my own. And uh, but, you know, I got through it. What did your wife? I'm just curious. You don't tell us if you don't want to. But what was it like with your wife at this time? Was she encouraging you? Was she stressed? And was she did she believe in you? Knew that know that you could do it? My wife, since the time we got together, was always telling me I'm better than what I think I am. She oh, always believed in me. That's awesome. She was always trying to tell me, you're better than this. You're better than that job. You shouldn't put up with this. You you could do so much better. Blah, blah. I mean, just, she just it almost just drove me crazy because I couldn't see it. I just thought, oh, she's she doesn't understand. She doesn't know how the real world works. Honestly, I was kind of disrespectful to her. I just could not see it. Hmm. And so when I finally made those decisions, she's thinking, finally, Finally, he's doing it because she believed in me. She knew I could do better. So during that time, I'm freaking out. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. Huh. Money does not always solve your problems. I had more money in the bank at that time in 2016 than I'd ever had in my life, but I had never been more afraid in my life. Isn't that crazy? It was the weirdest thing because it seemed like I didn't know. How, it, it was just weird. It was like I was afraid I was going to lose it all. Like huh. it was a dream. Like as quick as it seemed to come, it was just going to quickly disappear. Hmm. And then whenever I was on my own, I quit my job. All of a sudden, I'm like, wow, I actually have to do this. Can I really do this? Yeah. Can I do this again? Like, <laughs> whoa, where's the next deal coming from? You know, and then the deals dry up. So you panic. You're yeah. like, oh, no, I made the wrong choice. I should have kept the job. But uh, she just kept believing in me. She just kept saying, you need to calm down. You need to stop. You just need to take a deep breath. We can do this. And then she was right. But it was well, that's awesome. She had to drag me. <laughs> she had to drag me kicking it screaming. That's so awesome. Give your wife a big hug for us when we're done. Oh, with yeah. Show, would you? She's amazing. You know, you're an inspiration. Phil, look at this. Uh, Richard says, I watched Joe and Phil's podcast from years ago like 10 times. Helped me a lot here in Illinois. Lots of gold in that video, especially working with VAs. I've referred a lot of people to that podcast. You were talking about virtual assistants and how you've used them. And I want to ask you that in a second, but I don't want to get yeah. too derailed into that because that's had a huge impact in your business. Um, so you were wholesaling in Illinois. Uh, Illinois passed some laws saying, hey, wholesaling is illegal, immoral, and fattening, and you yeah. have to be a licensed realtor to do it. And what, what did you do? Um, I think it was you. Or, I forget who. It might have been you, but I just went and got licensed. 
So I just thought, you know, I'm just going to get licensed and uh, I'll just figure it out. Yeah. Well, then I go to all that trouble to get my license and then I'm introduced to land. And so after I got licensed, I think I did two more deals in Illinois after that. And I've, I haven't done a deal in Illinois since. So in Illinois, I guess I'm technically still licensed. I don't even know. <laughs> I've got a certificate somewhere, but I haven't done a deal in Illinois since. Now, how, long, how long ago was that, Phil? That was, uh, when was that? That was 2000, you know, I don't know, 2019, maybe I got licensed. I okay. My certificate. All right. So you're, I remember talking to you because you're worried about what, what are we going to do now? The wholesaling, you have to have a license. Looking back, that's been a couple years now. Do, do you feel like if you were doing houses, could you, if you really wanted to still do wholesaling in Illinois? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's some guys. I, uh, they came to me when they first got started in my city they wanted some pointers from me. They were just wanting that. And I think they bought one of the programs. Maybe they bought yours. I don't know. But they started pursuing wholesaling in my town. And they are doing amazing. These guys are killing it. They did way better than I ever did. And they are so public with it. But they're licensed. Yeah. So they're promoting their agency, their, their brokerage. They have We Buy Houses signs on park benches in my city. Wow. With the, the, you know, the brokerage they're part of next to it. So they figured it out. And they're doing it every day. They're nice. doing amazing. So it can be done. You just got to do it the right way. Yeah, people are freaking out with all of these regulations that are coming in. And, and I think they might be good. They might be good. Oh, and it's, I think it is. And it's good to kind of weed out some of the, the rookies in a certain sense, right? I mean, I look at it as an opportunity not to freak out but, and panic, but to dig deeper and do it more. But do, do it the right way. Do it whatever. Like get your license. Yeah. And, you know, go ahead and, and, and then close on them or get paid as a commission. Right. Yes. Yes. And when it all came down, I mean, I understand why they were doing it. I, I kind of felt like it was against me. Right. It's affecting me. I'm a good person. Why are they doing this to me? But the truth is they're doing it for that lowest common denominator, that lowest yeah. guy who's out there ripping people off. You know, that's what it's for. Yeah. So as long as you're honest and you do things the right way, I, I can't imagine you're going to get in big trouble. Yeah. OK. So talk about how you how did you find out about land? What got you interested in vacant land? Well, I remember, I think, what year was that? It was that year that I came down to St. Louis to be with you at that little mastermind or whatever it was. I think it was 2019. Okay. I believe. But anyway, I was doing, I, at that point, I was doing the Burr strategy. So I was taking what I'd learned with wholesaling houses, finding really low, you know, discounted properties, and I was trying to keep them as rentals. Okay. That's what I was doing. I think it was 2019. I did that that whole year. I just was buying as many rentals as I could. Yeah. I got up to about 20 two or 23 properties, I think. And at that meeting, I said, I wanted to try land. And you said, Phil, you said, stay focused. Don't get distracted. And if you meet your goal this year, then do land. And I was like, that's a great idea. (laughs) So that year I wanted to buy, I think it was 15 rentals. I did it. And then the next year I started land, which was 2020. All right. So do you still have those rental properties? Uh, I've sold, I think, two or three, just my duds, the the ones I regret buying. Okay. They're just the junkers on the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. All right. How many rental houses do you have right now? I believe we have 21 properties. Okay. A couple of them are multi-units. We got an eight unit, a six unit, a couple duplexes. So it's probably 30 something units total. Approximately what's your about your net cash flow per month on those 21 doors? I mean, on paper, I've always kind of, I don't know for sure, but I've always assumed it's roughly 3000 a month. Okay. You know, and that's me being very conservative with the numbers. I, I hate to inflate numbers because I don't want to live a lie. Oh, yeah. 
I like to live conservatively. Yeah, that's very but, good. But it's, yeah, that, that be, I call that my marketing money. That's my marketing. All right. And are those, are you trying to pay those off aggressively or are they just on 30 year notes? I just, they're, they're low interest rate loans. So I just pay the payment and they're 10 years. Some are 10 years, some are 15. Most of them are 20. Okay. So your goal is to pay them off. And when they do, when you do pay them off, then you'll be making pretty good cash flow on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But do you have a property management company that manages them? Yeah. The goal was with that was I didn't want to be distracted being a landlord. So all my properties are managed. That's why when you ask me these questions, I'm kind of like, I really don't know. I, I don't know who my tenants are. I have no idea. I just know I get a check every month. All right. The property manager handles it all. And he's great. Nice. All right. So then you started getting into land and why, what interested, what interested you about land? Uh, the, you know, well, you get sucked into the, the gurus, you know, no toilets, no tenants, no rats, no whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, no it always, it, no it always, and then years ago, I remember listening to a podcast and this guy talking about it and it just seemed like something that I could actually do. It seemed like it fit my personality. Like I could see myself scaling that business. And so that's kind of what drew my attention to it. Nice. And then you started a couple of years ago doing land. Were you just wholesaling it then at the time, flipping it? Well, okay, cash? about land. In 2020, I started January. I just I just went after it with everything. You know, focus. That's all I'm going to do. If I'm doing this, it's all I'm going to do. I'm going to figure this out. Which so is such, such an important key. And this is one of the biggest reasons why you've had so much success is the focus part of this, which I love. Oh, yeah. and, and we're going to talk about how you got to 10K in revenue, gross revenue, at least, from these vacant lots just in the last year. In one year, you've gotten up to 10 grand in, in, in income from these, from these notes, which is amazing. Now, there is a place for houses. I get it. We're not going to be bashing houses, you know, and, and the burst strategy and all that. But this is one of the biggest reasons why I love land investing is what you've done with these lots. So, okay, yeah. January 2020, you start focusing like a laser beam on vacant land. Yes. What were you doing at the time? Like how were how were you marketing for leads? Well, January. What I did is I I just bought this cheap little course. These guys aren't even well known. I just wanted to just I really I think you taught me this. Just you you told you said this story many times. You just bought a course and you said I'm just going to do whatever they tell me. I'm just yeah. going to do it. I'm not going to question. I'm just going to do it. And these guys had a great little course. It was simple. And I just did exactly what they said. I started sending out blind offers. Huh. And my first, I think it was my first mailer, I got a deal. I was all excited. It was in Tennessee. We go to escrow. I mean, I'm excited. I'm going to make 30 grand on this, I'm thinking. Lady doesn't show up to closing. Cannot get a hold of her. To this day, I still, every once in a while, will call her. Like wondering what happened. There's no closure there. So then I was pretty bummed, but I just kept mailing. I just had to believe in it. You just have to have faith in it. It works. It worked for them. It'll work for me. So I didn't stop mailing. And then another accepted offer came in. Lady just emails me the contract. I never talked to this lady. I never met this lady. She was from Arizona. She just emails me a signed contract. Well, then I find out I offered too much. So I messed up. I offered too much. So I just shoot her a simple email. Sorry, and forgive me, but I was told to do this. I, I blamed it on my assistant, okay? They go, they go, just blame it on your assistant. Yes. I said, I'm sorry, my assistant offered too much on this. We'd actually be half this. <laughs> and, to my, and see, I just followed instruction. That's yeah. just what I was told to do. Now, looking back, I, I probably should have worded it a little different. No, it's fine what you did. But, uh, but I just did what I was told. And that lady, to my shock and surprise, responds with, I can do this. 
and it was just a little bit higher. And I was like, all right, let's do it. I just bought it. Now, where was this lot? That lot was in Oregon. Oregon. She lived in Arizona. I don't even remember if I ever even talked to this lady on the phone. I don't even remember ever talking to her. But it was all email, if I remember right. So we ended up buying that lot, went through escrow. I think I paid like 8,000 for it. And it was a wooded lot. I wouldn't even, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Just bought this lot. It looked like something I'd want to own. So I thought, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I got a nice lot that I can't sell. Yeah. So I just threw it out just by faith. I think I put it out there like 40,000, just hoping I might find a buyer. And it took about 90 days, but a guy offered me 36,000 cash. So you bought it for eight thousand and sold it for thirty six thousand. Yes, terrified the entire time because I'm I'm on a new adventure. I I had no idea if it was work. So that was my first eye opening deal with land. Why did you pick Oregon? Um, because everybody was talking about it. Okay, kind of heard. See, that's something that I've learned too. Is is if other investors are there and you know they're successful you know, why not go there too? They're obviously having success there. They know what they're doing. So I just kind of followed the crowd. There's nothing wrong with that. People are afraid of doing that, aren't they? They think, oh, there's going to be too much competition. I want to go where nobody is. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's dangerous because there's a reason why nobody's there. It's a- yeah, and I, I had the opinion too, is these people are used to getting offers. See, because you know, you know how the, the market, what is it? The marketers teach, you know, what is it? Five to 12 touches or whatever. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, there's already been people mailed before. Yeah. These yeah. people aren't going to remember who mailed them. So I might catch them at that fifth touch. They just don't realize it's a different person. I mean, I just tried to give, you know, just have those beliefs, those beliefs that made me follow through and just do it. Yeah. Can anybody explain why someone responds to a marketing piece? I mean, honestly, it's like you just catch them at the right place at the right time. You don't know when that's going to be. So a lot of times it's it's maybe the eighth offer or the eighth letter they've received and they think that you've sent them all, right? Yes, yes. And they're just like, okay, fine. Yeah, if you must really want my land, you sent me eight letters and it's really only your first. I had one person tell me, you know, the ugly house guys, the home investors that have the billboards. They said, I drove by one of your billboards the other day and I just decided I want to I'm done with this. I want to sell it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. That's what they don't remember your business name. I mean, they don't yeah. care. They just know you buy houses and buy land. And yeah, you're yeah. A solution to their problem. All right. So you were sending blind offers. Did you keep on doing that for much longer? Well, the blind offers. Okay, I tried those about three or four times, and then I got a little bit. I just we had been doing some texting for houses, so I just had this idea. I thought, you know, I'm going to try texting for land. I'm going to figure this out because the blind offers, it was working, but it's a lot more money. I mean, I just felt like I was risking more and I just felt unsure of it. And uh, But texting had been working for houses. So I thought, well, let's figure this out for land. Because with land is a little tricky. I mean, these softwares are built for houses. They're built for texting homeowners. Yeah. So I figured it out. I tweaked things and merged the list a little bit different. And we started texting for land. And then it just started working. Now, there's a lot of response, though. It's a lot of response. We get 30% response sometimes. Wow. It's a lot of work, but I had time. I had the time to kill. Okay. So that kind of got us a lot more deals coming in. So can I start diving deeper into that? Yeah, I ask away because I don't, you you ask ask the questions, I'll answer them. (laughs) All right, all right. How do you pick the market you're going to start targeting? Okay, uh, I get a dart and I just throw it at a map. <laughs> that's pretty much how it is. <laughs> that's almost mostly, it that's almost that mostly true. Time. 
because what I'm doing is I'm targeting out of county landowners. Okay. So I try to target, I try to narrow the list down because look with houses, you can go after these like high equity uh, code violations, all that stuff. Well, with land, it's like, there's nothing there. So really, how do you narrow the list down? Well, we try to go after out of county owners. I try to target a certain land value because I don't, I'm trying to weed out all the junk lots. Yeah. So we'll do like, it just depends on the county because the values in the counties are all different. They all value them differently. Right. But we try to narrow it down that way. So let me think about this. We do out of county owners. We'll do uh, the land value sometimes. Obviously, we'll target vacant land. And that's about it. I mean, there's really not a whole lot. Well, how do, but, you know, there's thousands of counties in the United States, right? Yeah, yeah. How do, how do you pick which? Do you, go, do you go after a handful, five or six or seven, or do you target a certain? Well, the first year, I just, the guys that taught me, they were nationwide. They would literally hop from county to county. They'd hit it one time, go to the next county. And what they taught me, and I still pretty much follow this, is they would just basically say, how much money do you want to make? Okay. So if you want to make 10,000 per deal, you've got to buy lots that are worth at least 10,000, really 15,000 because you know, you get the math. Yeah. Well, I would just get on like land watch or lands of America and I would use filters. Okay. And I still do this pretty much is how I do it. Let's get on there and I'll do like max value a hundred thousand and then I'll target the minimum acreage. Okay. So I'll do a minimum acreage, a maximum value, and then I'll just get on land watch and I'll just start looking for you know, counties where I'll see a county's name more than once. And that is kind of like, yeah, that looks like a good county. And I'll pick that. And then I'll see if there's any other land investors there. If I see other land investors there, I think, okay, well, they think it's a good county. It must be a good county. Um, I'll also sometimes check Zillow, solds and for sales. It is nice to see more solds than for sale. That's a good sign. It means you're going to price sell it fast. But the truth is what I've discovered is if I find a discounted property, no matter what, I'm going to make money. It just might sell in a week. It might sell in 90 days. But no matter what, I'm going to make money. And with land, that's one thing I liked about land is with houses, I might have to pay 50 grand for a house and sit, you know, that money's invested in that house. Whatever you decide to do with it, whether you're burying it or flipping it or whatever, that money's stuck in that house. But with land, I'm paying like 10000 for a lot. So my money can go a lot farther. Yeah. If I'm targeting that type of land, yeah. But you were going to buy a house for ten grand. I mean, it's possible, but it's it's a lot harder. Yeah. So you're targeting rural areas, generally speaking, an hour, two hours outside of a big major city, right? Yeah, and, and I wish I had like this cool sheet that I could go down point by point because I'm still kind of making it up. But yes, typically it's rural vacant land. Yeah. Usually and- one acre, sometimes five acre minimum. I don't ever go after lots less than one acre. And I don't really know why. I just never have tried. Well, you're going to make bigger spreads on the bigger yeah, yeah. lots. But the drawback is you're going to need more money to buy them. But yeah. All right. So then generally you're selling these to people who, who, who buys these lots. Somebody who wants to go camping, four-wheeling, build a cabin, have a place where they can bug out in an emergency. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. A lot of these people, honestly, it's this government that's blessing us. They're all afraid they're going to come get their guns and they're going to make them take the vaccine and they're just looking for a place to hide out. I mean, that's what yeah. it seems to me most of these buyers are doing. They're just looking for a place to run to if it goes down. Or yeah, even just something that they can call their own. They want to be yeah. able to sit on some piece of land and look around and say, I own all of this. Yeah. And, um, they can go camping, ride their four wheelers, go hunting. 
Yeah. You know, a lot of hunters buy them. Like I had a wetland property we bought and I was freaking out. I didn't know it was wetlands when I bought it. I missed that. It was like a hundred. I mean, the, after I bought it, the county is telling me I can't build on it. I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, I just threw it out there and a hunter bought it. I found out wetlands are, it's great for duck hunting. Yeah. So this yep. guy was all excited about it. You know, I made about 10 grand on that one. Nice. All right. So you're finding vacant land in random counties. Are you still sending texts today? Yeah, we we try to send about 300 texts a day, maximum 500 a day. That's kind of the goal. So Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday, we're trying to send three to 500 texts. Okay. So when you're pulling these lists, you have you can only pull non-LLCs, right? Uh, I use data tree and they, yeah, you can pull LLCs, but I don't start skip tracing. I don't exclude corporate. See, my VA does all that. So you have to forgive me. I just tell her, I tell her, Hey, we're going to do this County. Let me know the results of the list. And I just ask her to send that to me so I can kind of see, make sure the results are what I expect. Okay. You know, just in case, yeah, that's kind of how I keep an eye on her. All right. So you're pulling from data tree and yeah. then, um, where, wh- what are you using to skip trace them? Oh, we use Lead Sherpa. Lead Sherpa. Still. Yeah. And that's because, again, I'm having to, Lead Sherpa allows me to have custom fields. So whenever I upload the list, I can upload into these custom fields and then download my custom fields, which then allows me to upload my custom fields to my texting platform. And are you, what are you using to send out the texts? We use a batch leads. Batch leads. All right, cool. Can you still send texts with Lead Sherpa? Uh, no, I have my account paused just so I can keep my good pricing on the skip tracing. Okay. But I, I don't know if Lead, uh, Lead Sherpa had some problems in the past. Yeah. And I just never went back to them. But I hear they're still great. I know people use them. Yeah. Well, it's, it is a good tool. All right. So what does your text say? That's a great question because I don't text anymore. Uh, it's really simple. It's usually just like, it's really basic. Like, hey, I'm um, I'm looking for land in the area. I understand you may own such and such acreage in such and such county. Would you consider an offer? I mean, it's something just real basic like that. Like whenever we create our templates for texting, I literally try to imagine I'm driving down the road. I see a vacant lot. I'm going to text that person. Phil Marsh, the human being, is going to text another human being. What would I say? What would you say, Joe? I would hey, say, hey, this is... My name is Joe. Is this is this Jim? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you own that two acre lot in in Jackson County? Yeah, and they're going to respond. Yeah. Who are you? What do you want? Yes, I am. No, I don't want to sell it. Yeah, I'd sell it for the right price. Man, right, thank so- God you text me. I've been wanting to get rid of this. You know, that's what yeah. you hope to see. All right. So they say, yeah, I, I'd consider an offer. Maybe I'd sell it if the price is right. Then what do you do? Uh, we just kind of really the goal is I teach my my acquisition guy now does the texting. I just say, hey, just try to get a price out of them. Because a lot of these people, I mean, it, let's just be honest. I mean, if you had raw vacant land that you're not using, I mean, yeah, you'd sell it. Most people want to sell it, but they don't want to give it away, they say. So really, we're just trying to determine motivation to see if we should get on the phone with them. So we're going to ask them some questions. If they say, yes, you've got the right person or yes, I'd sell it. We're just going to usually I'll just try to say, uh, does it have any utilities? Like we just try to get a conversation going. Does it have any utilities? Does it have a survey? And we're just trying to get them to respond. And if we're getting the answers we want, because he who asks the questions is in control. So if they're answering my questions, that means that's a sign of submission, so to speak. You know, they're submitting to my questions. They're cooperating. 
You're, you're sending the text. Here's your acquisition guys. Are they U.S. based or based in the Philippines? Uh, I've got a guy that works here in the office with me. He works from home. He works from wherever, but okay, we'll come into the office every couple days over to the house here. All right. So you're you're just uh, texting them, asking them questions about the lot, and and asking them, um, you know, do you want to sell? You ask them to come up with a price. And then, you know, depending on where it goes, you get on the phone and you talk to them, right? Yeah, we just try to be human. I mean, the goal is we're just trying to get a price out of them because the price usually will determine if there's any motivation. In other words, we don't. We just want to be honest with people. I mean, we want to know are we going to do business or not? Yeah. And so, something I learned from Todd Toback, we're doing this now. It's a new thing we're trying. Is if they say they want to sell, we're testing this. We'll immediately say, knowing that I'm an investor and I need to make a profit. Should we continue this conversation? <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's a great question, isn't it? Because if they respond yes, or I guess so, then yeah, let's keep going. But most people are going to be like, yeah, you're wasting my time. Thank you for letting me know because now I can move on. You know, I want them to say that. Yeah, yeah. But the goal is we're just looking for a price. Now, when I first got started, and now my acquisition guy does all this now, so he actually is doing a lot better than I ever did. That's another topic. Okay. But uh, before I had a girl text for me, I was paying her $15 an hour. And she would text. I told her every day, your goal is 500 initial texts every day. Just send them. And anybody who says, yes, I want to sell, send it over to me as a lead. And I would just call them. I wouldn't even think about it. I'd just call them. I'd get on the phone with them. I'm just trying to determine motivation. So, But then I got to where I had so many leads, it was overwhelming. I just couldn't keep up with them all because you get a lot of response to texting. Yeah. So then I started telling her, just send them over the people that just give you a price or they you see some sign of motivation. So she would always try to get a price out of them. And she'd say, just she just ask them, what would you consider for this property? Do you know how much you think, you know, how much do you think it's worth? We're just trying to see what they think about it, what they how they feel about it. And if we'd see a price that looked like it was even slightly discounted, then I would jump on the phone with them. So that's still what we're doing today. Because you're going to get a ton of response. You just can't. It's it's almost impossible to call them all. Have you thought about just sending them an offer and talking to them after they get the offer? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying not to go into too much detail here and bore everybody. But our system really is, is anybody who wants to sell, okay, yeah. they're going to get an offer. They just may not get a phone call from us. Okay. So if we don't see a reason to jump on the phone with them, we're just going to text them an offer. Okay. So we'll jump on there real quick and just come up with a really rough offer. And it's going to be low because we're just going to see how they respond. And then I have my VA do what's called a drip follow-up. So we will tell the VA, offer this much, use this offer template. We have three templates that we use for offers. All she does is plugs in the number. And it's all dependent on the acquisition guy, however he wants to respond, you know, based on the previous conversation. Okay, each template's different. So she'll send that template offer and then she'll mark it as a drip follow-up. So every two weeks, then every 30 days, then every 60 days, then 90, I forget, it's something like that. She's going to send them a little text. Hey, have you had any time to think about our offer? Hey, we're in the area again buying land. Would you, you know, you still want to sell? Yeah. Hey, did you sell that property yet? Just whatever. Nice. And we get a lot of deals from that, but that's nice. all automated. The VA does all that. So we're constantly just texting, finding people who want to sell, making them an offer. Yeah. If we like what we see that day, we're going to get on the phone with them and try to get it under contract that day. Yeah. Are um, you are, are you finding any deliverability issues with your texting? Are you seeing that getting harder to do? There was an issue with that compliance thing that came out. 
about six months ago, but we just did what they asked us. And now we're back up into the 90s. Wow. Delivery rate. Nice. It was 70s for a while, 80s. But so you're, are you rotating through a lot of numbers? I believe I have 20 numbers. Nice. I think we have 20 numbers. Do you get different numbers when you're going into different counties so that the area no, code is similar? I just use my local area code. You know, I, I've just always used it. Okay. We text the whole nation with that area code. Nice. All right, good. Let's talk about how you make the offers. Do you have a formula, general rule of thumb, how you make offers? Uh, we tr- Well, with land, you hope, you hope to triple your money, settle for double. That's kind of the saying we go by. So a lot of times I might, we might offer, if it's a cold lead, we're just going to offer usually like 25% of the value, what we think the value is, because we're just going to start low and start the conversation there. And if they want to discuss it, then we know we probably got something there. But if they don't, like in other words, I learned a long time ago, I don't want my database full of leads. That's a lot of work. So I'm going to try to weed people out by just making ridiculous little offers, see if they respond. And to my shock and surprise, you'll have people counter. Yeah. You know, you'll send them an extremely low offer and they'll counter a little bit higher. Well, because I anchored low, I can now make the deal work a little bit higher. So it's kind of like, it's basically, I look at texting like this, neutral letters. Texting is just a digital neutral letter. I'm just starting a conversation. Yeah. And then I'm going to make an offer and they're either going to take it or they're not. Yep. So that that makes sense to you because I think you're doing neutral letters. Yeah. We'll send neutral letters or neutral postcards. It just says, hey, Jim, we saw that you own this five acre lot in so-and-so county. If you're interested in selling it, call us. And I tell them there's a 24 hour recorded voicemail. And so that uh, that kind of gets more calls when you do that. Yeah. And the voicemail and the letter says, when you call, make sure you leave this reference number. So there's a reference number on the postcard of the letter. And then the voicemail asks them to leave that, uh, that reference number. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them, um, as soon as we get your information, we will send you an offer in the next couple of days. Yeah. And so I don't even call them back. We're getting about three and a half to 4% response rate on our postcards right now. Okay with with that and then we send them an offer and we just send them an offer at about 25 cents on the dollar and then the people that respond back you know it depends on the situation but then we'll get negotiate from there and you know i'd say looking at our numbers we get about one out of every 25 to 30 offers accepted so about oh, okay. one out of 27 offers that we send out so we don't even we don't even talk to them until they uh, they, they respond to our offer and we don't do as good a job as we should with the follow-up because I know we're losing a lot of opportunity there. But, you know, I've got hundreds and hundreds of leads right now in FreedomSoft. I can go back and I should start following up with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just texting them or whatever, something like nice. that. Okay, so you're, you're buying these at 25 to 35 cents on the dollar. You're buying them cheap, right? Yeah, I actually looked at the numbers the other day because I really didn't know. I went back and looked at all my history. And it looks like we are doing what we hope to do is we're, we're tripling our money. Nice. All right. It looks like it's roughly that. Now a lot of those are terms deals, so I don't I don't make that money today. Yeah. But uh, we're doing what we set out to do for the most part. All right. So you you started off just flipping them for cash, right? Getting selling them for cash, getting your money back. Yeah. Yeah. First two thousand twenty, it was all cash deals. Okay. And then you started now in twenty twenty one, about twelve months ago now selling them on terms. So you're selling them with owner financing, right? Yes. And it, it just, it took me a while just to figure it out, just how to start the conversation. Cause I just didn't understand it mechanically. You know, I, it was so hard. I'd fumbled through these conversations trying to tell people I would sell it that way, but I didn't even really know how to explain it. You know? So once I got through the first one and I saw how simple it was and how 
I just couldn't. But to this day, I cannot believe how trusting people are. I mean, I'm, they can trust me. They, they, they can, but I'm just shocked how willing they are. They've never seen me. They've never met me. They've only talked to me on the phone and they're willing to use their credit card and make a $5,000 down payment just based on a conversation, you know? So I'm very humbled by their trust of me. And so once I got past that limiting belief, I was like, wow, this actually works. And then after that, it just was simple. By the way, are you closing on these properties now? Uh, Let's say you're back back a year earlier when you're just wholesaling them. Are you actually closing on them and then selling them later? Do you ever try to do a double close? Yeah, we've done a couple double closes with land. Uh, Most of them were buying. Okay. The only ones we may not buy outright and then try to sell is it. We call them our maybe deals. Okay. We're just not real sure about it. So what I'll do is I'll just kind of throw up an ad on Facebook or something saying coming soon, five acres in, you know, McCurtain County, Oklahoma. And I'm just trying to see who will respond if there's any demand there. Yeah. And if there's a lot of demand, I might share where the property is with somebody and just see if they even like it. And I'll kind of let those buyers vet the deal for me. Because okay. I had one recently, the buyer went out and they told us there was trash all over the property. I'm like, well, man, I didn't know that. Well, now I know. So then we're able to renegotiate with the seller. Nice. But that's only on those maybe deals where there's real thin margins. We're not sure, you know, because I've been shocked. There's been deals that I thought, who would buy this? There's no way this is a deal. And then I end up making, to my shock and surprise, 20 grand or whatever, you know. We've done the same thing with, with land with, with no easy access. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's sold. Somebody wanted a property with no easy access. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. And then wetland properties. I've heard guys say, I'll never touch a wetland property. I've made a lot of money with wet, wetland properties, mm-hmm. yeah. but I'm nervous about buying them. You know, I try. So you, when you're nervous about buying them, the maybe deals, do you just give yourself, do you tell the seller, you know, you're, you're going to need 90 days for due diligence? Yeah. I see. We would always try to see, I was taught in the wholesaling world, quick close, right? That's one of our selling points. I can close quick, right? Well, I started hearing about these guys getting, you know, six months on their contracts with land. So we just started trying it. Let's just see if it works. And we're getting usually 90 days to yeah. six months on a purchase agreement. Yeah. So it just well, gives you plenty of time to decide what you want to do with it. That's what I love about that. All right. So now you're selling your vacant lots on terms on owner financing. Have you found you get more calls when you're selling a lot on owner financing than you do when you're just trying to sell it for cash? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd say it's about half and half. I mean, it just depends on the lot. It depends on the area. Some areas you're only going to sell it with seller financing. Okay. We've got some Florida lots that are just, there's no easy access to them. They're they're just honestly, in my opinion, it's my opinion, they're just junk lots, but people want them and they want them with seller financing. So we'll sell those for like 500 down, you know, go as long as 84 months. You know, we're buying them for a couple grand a piece, maybe five grand. So there's money to be made there, but I've had, I've only sold one of those for cash and it was an investor. Okay. He just wanted to put money in a piece of land. What a general ballpark, like if you, if let's say a house, I mean, a vacant lot is worth uh, 20 grand and you buy it for five grand, mm-hmm. right? When you sell it to a, for, for cash, it's worth 20. When you're selling it for cash, what do you sell it for? And when you sell it for terms, what do you sell it for? <laughs> That's it. See, I know where you're going with this. I, I don't really have a method for that. I just set a price. Okay. okay. And I have built a calculator in Google Sheets. As plug in what I want to sell it for, we charge 9.9% interest. So I don't have a cash price and a seller financing price. 
because the seller financing price is already higher just because of the interest. Okay. So it's just, here's my price. You either want to pay cash or do you want financing? I just, so, but do you, do you set that price close to the 20 grand, close to about what it's worth? I set my price as high as I think I can get. Wow. I just go as high as I possibly all right, all think right. I can. Because I don't know what it's worth. Honestly, I mean, let's just be honest. Land is so hard to come yeah. it, unless it's in a cookie cutter neighborhood, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I remember one deal we did in Colorado. This property was seemed to be landlocked. According to the county, it was. It may have had an easement, but nobody knew for sure. And uh, But it, it was surrounded by national forest. So I knew I had something special there. We paid about seven grand for it. And we were thinking it was probably worth 30. Okay. Well, it's a, I'll keep this short. I'm talking to a realtor one day about a different lot in a different county, different state. And she goes, hey, Phil, if you ever get a property with national forest next to it, that's worth a lot more money. You can make more money. So I thought, well, man, I'm just going to ask more for this other one. So we raised the price to 50 grand. Okay. I was going to ask 30, but I thought, you know, let's just try 50 and see what happens. I had people fighting over that piece of land. Wow. <laughs> and so we ended up selling it to a guy. He offered us cash, quick close, no hassle, wanted it today. He offered us, I think, 48000 I think it was. So that's what I'm saying. Land, I just, I just shoot for the moon. I can always come down. So if I'm not seeing any activity in the first week at my price, I'm probably going to drop it a couple grand until we start seeing that activity build up. Yeah, because I know if I'm getting five inquiries a day or even one a day, it's there's interest, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, good. So when you advertise the property, where do you advertise it on? And keep on talking. I have to turn my thermostat down. Okay, okay. The way I do it is we we're very simple here. I've got a lands.com account, which we do get results from. I don't get a whole lot of leads, but when we do get leads, they're good leads. But most of our sales are through Facebook Marketplace. That's where we get most of our buyers. And that's all I use. I use Facebook Marketplace and lands.com. That's it. And Zillow every once in a while. But ever since they switched it where they split the for sale by owners and the, it just doesn't really work anymore. Really? Okay. Facebook Marketplace and the lands website. So if you go to lands.com, it puts that out on all of the different lands sites, right? Yeah. And I think I, I forget what I pay. It's a, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars a month for five slots. Do you ever use a realtor to sell your properties? Yeah, I've had good and bad results with that. Um, if you can find a really good agent, it's amazing because they'll vet the deal for you. So they're kind of your boots on the ground. So I've got a great agent I work with in Oklahoma. She's wonderful. Other than that, I've had, eh, I just haven't had any amazing results. I mean, honestly, you feel like you're paying now, nothing against agents. You know, they do their thing, but you just kind of feel like you're paying more than they deserve. Forgive me. Forgive me for saying that. I was in Jackson, Wyoming for a 4th of July parade one time. This is six, five, six years ago. And it was so funny. There was the announcer, you know, kind of announcing to on the public system what was going on. And there was a realtor that was walking in the parade route, throwing out candy. Mm -hmm. And the, the guy in the announcer said, hey, there's, you know, whoever, Betty the realtor. That's the most I've ever seen her work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's sad. You can hear this collective groan in the in the whole yeah, yeah. in the whole street. You know, I don't know. I, I like I just I've I've never been an agent. You know, the tip, the whatever, just like <laughs> yeah, the yeah, listing yeah. of houses. I've never done it, but I've always thought if I was one, I would I would I would market the property. I would do everything I could to yeah. sell that property. But it seems that most agents seems this way. They just want to stick a sign in the yard. 
and just walk away and wait for a phone call. Yeah, it's, it seems like that. And if that's not true, then if you're a realtor listening to this, you need to do a better job of showing us what you actually are doing. Yeah, because like, for example, every like every property I've ever listed land wise, it has I just have not had good success with most agents. OK, okay. most of them. It just seems like I'm not getting any leads. I never hear from them. When I do reach out to them, hey, is there any interest? Anybody reaching out? No, we're not getting any activity. But I'm looking on Zillow and there's like 60 saves on the property, you know? So I'm like, well, people are looking at it. Why aren't they hearing? Why, why, like, what's going on? You know, are they just not answering their phone? And then I notice there's times where I'm calling the agent and they're not answering the phone when I call. So I'm like, well, if they're not answering my call, they must not be. In. So I'm just yeah, like, yeah. so... But when I start advertising it myself on Facebook or whatever, there's times I'm getting 10 leads a day. I mean, people are driving me crazy. So you build, you build an email list on your... I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I save stuff, but I don't have it organized. Do you have a website to sell your land on? Yeah, we, uh, we just created it about three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. And so we were doing it all this time without a website. You hire someone to, you know, take pictures, do uh, drone footage. I've done that a couple times. Okay. The truth is, I just use an overhead shot of the land. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I just try to keep things simple. Yeah. And just, like, I mean, if I was going to buy land, like, would I really trust someone else's photos? I always tend to think that, like, I'm not sure I would trust someone else's photos. I'm going to want to go out and look at. It. So yeah. I don't really worry about photos. If I can get them, great. But I'm not going to stress over it. Yeah. Okay, good. Is, is, there a to, is there a tool you're using to sell your lots on owner financing? Something? Uh, yeah, we use GeekPay for the notes. Okay, nice. Um, but what, okay, we asked that again, though. Is there something else you're asking? No, that was a question. You're using okay. GeekPay. Most people use GeekPay.io to yeah, make yeah. payments. Okay, cool. Oh, it's amazing. I've, I, every month I get, you know, the emails come in. I got paid today, got paid today. I, I only have one buyer out of, I think we have about 21 notes. I only have one buyer that's late every month, but she always mails the payment. It's just late. Okay. Talk about your typical structure on a note deal. Cause you're, you're making over, you just passed the $10,000 a month, um, on your, your notes. Talk what what's your standard typical deal? How much do you get down? What are you getting per month? Well, I'm still working on that. I try to get down what I have in the property. That's the goal. But I set a minimum. I try to set the down payment to where I will get back all my money within a year. Okay. That's the goal. Because it sounds great. It sounds great to make that money every month and all that and whatever. But the truth is a lot of these properties I'm upside down right now. Okay. So that money is coming in, but I, it might take me a year or more to get my month to break even, if you will. Well, you're not upside down because you owe less than the. Well, you don't owe anything. Oh, I said I said that wrong. Yeah, but I know what you're saying though. Money, like I don't yeah. have the money in my possession. Right, it's okay. in the land. So the goal is to get it back within 12 months, and the only reason I do it that way is because someone told me to do it that way. Well, that's smart. Yeah, because I I'm no expert at all this. I Can just, you imagine I buying a house? And trying to get your money back in a year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, you couldn't do it. No, you couldn't. All right. So, what's your average monthly payment then? Uh, the, I just checked this the other day. My average payment is right at like four hundred and seventy dollars a month. Four hundred and seventy dollars a month. I remember the math, so you know you could do the math. I'm right at ten thousand a month, and so you, somebody could do the math, figure it all out. 
All right. So you're not doing, are you doing a contract for deed or land contracts? They don't get the deed until they pay it off. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I try to do. I've got a couple of people that wanted to go through escrow and that's fine as long as their down payment's big enough. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And so you're getting these notes, you're getting this money coming in. Are you like, you know, when you have a house, you've got to save for vacancies, maintenance, repairs, property management, insurance, course taxes, and future capital expenditures, future repairs and things like that. Oh, so, yeah. You know, you've got to figure saving it, setting aside at least 40 to 50% of your gross rent for these expenses. Are, are you doing anything like that with vacant land? Uh, not really. I mean, I do the profit first system. So I'm always setting aside 15% here for this and that. So I do have little buckets, but I don't know if I'd ever really need it for land. I mean, I don't, I don't know. What would I need it? I don't know. I don't really <laughs> that's, about it. that's my question. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't have to worry about repairs and, and, and now you may have, you need, you do need some money for, well, let me take this back. I was going to say you need some money for you know, what if they default or they stop making payments, but you're not making any payments on that vacant lot. I mean, you got it paid back. You got your money back in a year, but you're using cash to buy these lots. Yeah. So you're not borrowing any money. You don't have a payment you have to make if there's a delinquency, right? Yeah. And if there was, it's going to be minimal. I mean, you're paying what? You're not paying much for these lots. Right. If you borrow the money, the interest payment might be 50 bucks a month, you know? So if you are, if you're selling these two and there is a delinquency, somebody stops paying, what do you do? You just get somebody else in the lot, right? Yeah, and I don't know yet because I haven't had that problem. Okay. But what I'm told is you send them a letter and after 60, 60 days, they lose the land. Yep. And so you just I'll do it over it when, it when it comes up. Yep. You do it over again to get somebody else in the property to pay another three to five grand down payment. Yeah, but I do want it to be known, at least you know, we're live, we're recording. I'm going to do everything in my power and ability to help that person. Oh, for sure. Lot. I don't want them to lose the lot. Especially yeah. if they have money invested in it. So I'm not looking for that. I don't want that. And I've had one lady I've already had to kind of get creative with her and help her out a little bit. But she's a great lady. She still pays. So nice. hopefully I'll never have to do that. Yeah. Got some more questions here. When you're buying these properties, are you using your own cash to buy them? Yeah. And I do have some lines of credit. I've got a private investor. So I'll use that money if I need to on bigger deals. Okay. So I do have access to cash, but you don't need a whole lot for land if you target the cheaper lots. All right. What would you tell to somebody who's getting started, who doesn't have maybe a private lender yet, doesn't have a bunch of money in the bank to actually close on these lots themselves? What would you? What advice would you give to them? I would say just, just focus on the mailers, the texting, the marketing, because if you find a deal, you're going to find the money. I, I've had just, and that's something I'm still reminding myself of. It doesn't really matter the size of the deal. If it's a deal, it's a deal. You're yeah. going to find the money. You can go after cheap junk lots and, and build it up from the ground up yourself. You know, you can buy lots for a hundred bucks. I think in Arizona, I've never done it, but I've heard about it. So yeah, you could get started with that with hardly nothing, but it's going to take you forever to build up any sort of cash flow and a legitimate business, mm -hmm. but it can be done. Or you can just have faith and then start going after, I mean, I've heard guys go after million dollar lots right off the bat and find them. They don't have a million dollars, but they know people that do. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you just have to believe in the marketing. Just start sending the mail. That's the only focus you should have is send the marketing. That's really good. Find a deal and then figure it out from there. Because you really, you got nothing until you have a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's really good. Excellent advice. Phil, anything else you want to say? I, I feel like I've asked all my questions. 
I love how you're doing this. You're buying the land at 25 cents on the dollar. You got a little room to negotiate, maybe up or down. Yeah. You're, you're you, even on your maybe deals, you're closing. You know, you have time to close. You got 90 days. You may go back and negotiate if you have to. And we're very honest with the sellers. We're, yeah. That's something I want to encourage people. Is we're just very honest with them. Yeah. We don't want to upset people. And we just tell them, listen, we're not sure about this one. Yeah. Would you give us time? We're going to have to dig into this. We're going to have to look at it. Yeah. Uh, do our due diligence. And if we realize, as soon as we realize it's not going to work, like we know this is not going to work, let's just cancel because we don't want to drag it out. You know, people get upset when you wait to the last minute and yeah. they think you're buying it. That's not good business. We've got a couple, three questions here real quick. Bill Ransom is asking, are you buying residential infill lots? Have you ever done that? I've never made it my focus, but we've come across a few. But I've, I don't have a lot of, a lot of experience with those. Okay. Marty's got a question here. But by the way, most of your lots, most of the ones we're doing are rural vacant land. They're not being developed. We're sending we're selling them to recreational owners, like people who want to camp, four-wheel, ride their four-wheelers, hunt, grow their pot. I mean, who knows, right? That is, that is true, yes. That does. <laughs> used to be a bigger deal in Cal- Colorado. Yeah. Uh, who pays the property taxes? Uh, on the terms deals, I do, because I technically still own the property. Yeah. So we we uh, that's built into Geek Pay. I can add that in there. The monthly, it's all built into their payment. Yeah. So if there's an HOA on the property, which I only have one HOA property, but we build that in there too. Nice. So they're paying me, so I can pay the bill. Yep, makes sense. Hello, Valerie, and and property taxes are only a few hundred bucks a year. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I've got one lot that was over a thousand, but it's rare to run into that. Uh, do you advertise your land on Facebook? Scott is asking. Yes, yeah. you put it on Facebook That's market. Pretty much our main focus. And I recently, I, I finally got past this hurdle. I was doing all that myself. I've got an acquisition guy who does a great job. He helps get them under contract. He helps with that, or he finds the good leads. And then I'm, my job is to sell them. Well, I was getting so many leads from Facebook every day, it was overwhelming. It was annoying. It was just, oh. So I finally delegated that to a virtual assistant. So she only lets me know about the serious buyers. She'll send, send me a screenshot and say, hey, you better look at this one. Nice. Because a lot of them are tire kickers, to be honest. They're just wasting your time. How many virtual assistants do you have working for you right now? Uh, my team is myself, uh, Todd, the acquisition guy, and one VA in the Philippines. That's okay. it. Nice. And we did last this year, I think we did, I don't remember, what was it almost 40 deals I think we did? Excellent. So it's been a good year. What's your goal for 2022? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm praying about that. Okay. Because I've learned goals create pressure, okay? I'm kind of a weirdo when it comes to goals. You know, all the gurus or whatever you want to call it, they're all about these goals, goals, goals. But the truth is I want, I want peace. Yeah. I want peace. I don't want to live under pressure. When I listen to Grant Cardone, I feel pressure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I want peace. So I, the truth be known, I'm just like, God, I'd like to do, a, would like to net a million next year, but only if you're with me on that. So I'm chewing on that. I think I can do it. Huh. So we'll see, but I don't want it. If it's, I'm going to lose my peace. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Be happy. I want to have peace. I want to have joy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a phrase that I love called stress-free abundance. Okay. And it's because we, you know, it's it's one thing to make a million dollars and have all this abundance and a lot of prosperity and but if if it's stressful, 
it's no fun. You, you can be making a million dollars a year, but have $999,000 in expenses. And that's ex- extremely stressful. Oh, I don't, I don't want that. So, you know, no, no, no. And you don't you, want, you, you planted that seed in my mind. You, I remember when I first met you, you said, Phil, you don't need to make millions of dollars. Yeah. You said you $10,000 a month passively is a great living or 20. And that's yeah. doable. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And then I remember, uh, I remember Tom Kroll always said, put, uh, put a cap on your aspirations. Mm. And that just, you know, that just helped me. Cause I thought, you know, right. He's right. I don't need to be a billionaire to be happy. That's just feed my ego. I mean, to be honest, who in the world needs a billion dollars? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, totally. It just feeds your ego. I got a billion. Well, who cares? Are you happy? Do you have peace? You know, wow. that's what's that's priceless right there. Oh, I love it. I, your nickname should be the lifestyle investor, Phil. Well, you just you just gave it to me. <laughs> All right, hey Phil, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. You know, if people want to reach out to you, you know, maybe buy some of your deals, maybe um, lend some money on some of your deals. How can people get a hold of you or do you have an email address or something? Yeah, I mean, if they want to just hit me up on Facebook, uh, okay. they can shoot me a message on Facebook. I'm always watching that usually when the V, especially when the VA is not working, or they can shoot me an email. Uh, you could email me at my. Well, just I'll do my personal email because it's easier. Well, let's just do this. Go to Facebook, Facebook Messenger. Uh, look up Phil Mars. I don't want to give your email out okay. uh, to uh, you know the one or two people that are listening to this. No, we have a lot more than that. <laughs> cool. Facebook, look up Phil Marsh. And uh, Ralph here has some kind words. Yes, this is so much. Very good gold nuggets. Love it. Cool, Phil. Thank you so much. And if you want me to put your email... Uh, on the show notes, I'll just let me know. We'll talk offline. I just want to make sure you don't get bombarded with too many people. Well, and I, I, I'm learning to do this. I want to do more deals and I'm starting to believe I could help people. I would say this, if someone has a deal, but they don't have the money, I'm happy to try to partner with you. Oh, okay. Like I would be happy to at least, at least help in any way I can. Okay. Um, even if it's just give advice, but I want to do more deals. So if I can help somebody and we can work together and both make money and you learn from me while I make a little bit of money, I'm not trying to be greedy, but split the deal or whatever. I'm willing to do something like that too. Okay. Do you want to give your email address out? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'll just give it out. It's uh, pmarsh83 at gmail.com. All right. P as in Phil. Marsh, M-A-R-S-H. What was the number again? 8383. Yeah, at Gmail. At gmail.com. All right, cool. I'll just just, uh, block you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. We're getting a lot of great comments here. Scott says, great interview. Uh, Valerie says, just caught the tail end. I can't read that. Oh, I do have a seller trying to afford some land. All right, cool. Jim Young says, thank you. And uh, somebody says, very good. B? Okay, Scott has a question about which Phil Mars. There's a couple of Phil Marshes on Facebook. It's the guy who looks like oh, this. I think I'm I think I'm Philip Marsh on there and I'm wearing a suit with my wife. Okay. With my wife, I'm wearing a suit. All right. I look like I'm all fancy. Hey, thank you, Phil. Look forward to seeing you hopefully sometime soon. We're not we're not that far apart. Next time yeah, you're in St. Louis. Half apart, I think. Yeah. Driving. So next time you're in St. Louis or I'm out there, let's let's have coffee or go see a Cardinals game or something. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right. Thank you, Phil. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all later.